0: I think communicating is really key and I think it's just speaking to new teachers about the experience and as you said, just I think sometimes we are isolated and as a new teacher that's really frightening yeah. because you don't always know what to do or where to go if you're stuck with an issue or a sure. question. So I think just checking in and um, the school I'm in now, the head you know, makes that her paramount goal that she'll walk into your class and say, oh, how was your day? Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. And that's such a brilliant question. And often, you, know, you might say, oh, it's a really tough day. And then you then begin that narrative about why was it tough? Was it a lesson or is it something to do with transitions? Yeah. And again, you're having, suddenly you're having that discussion about teaching and learning, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you leave feeling you know, empowered to do whatever you're going to do differently the next day. Yeah. So I think communication is just really critical. Yeah.
1: So I'm here today with Hannah Spence and Cami Dodd, two remarkably inspiring teachers who've graduated from the Teach First programme. We talk a lot in the interview around growth mindset and how to create a culture of creativity and passion within the classroom. Passion just exudes from both of these fascinating teachers who are really, really committed to inspiring the next generation through educational leadership. In fact, they're actually on their masters to do educational leadership, and we talk a lot about that in the interview too. You'll see from the interview that we get straight into it, and this is one of the most fun and engaging interviews that I've done to date. So lock right in, and let's have some fun talking about teaching. really fascinated and inspired to have you both here today you both said that you've never been doing an interview before no. so it kind of resonates with the show right because one of the things that I wanted to bring to the show was that teachers that there's a complete misalignment between what people think education is what people think teaching is what people think teachers go through and then there's like a, a media summation of everything that teachers go through and like it's the media that often tells a story about what education is and what teachers go through, and actually the media aren't the people that are in it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring the experts on (laughs) (laughs) And and, and share your journey. So Hannah, tell us a little bit about who you are first and what you do.
0: Okay, so I'm Hannah. I've been in teaching now for four years. I'm currently working in a primary school, an independent primary school in London. Um, teaching primary mm-hmm. which is all subjects except for music French and art which are taught by our specialist teachers mm-hmm. and I'm also English lead as well so okay. accountable for all things literacy based
1: fantastic do your school have JNC education doing your art and French? <laughs> no, Why they not? don't <laughs> yet, yet, <not> yet. <laughs> I like it, I like it, I like it and Cammy, tell us a little bit about yourself
2: Um, So I'm a year two teacher um, in a um, state primary school in South London. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also um, PSHE coordinator and Healthy Schools lead for the school currently. Um, So I teach everything. yeah, everything. Okay. <laughs> and,
1: and just to give some context right so I met Hannah on New Year's Eve yes so solid party right yeah. in Croydon Box Park right we were there and we met through mutual friends Byron and Bianca and we just had an awesome time an awesome vibe so I'm one of them people I just love being around positive energy and when I talked to and um, we were talking to um, Joseph Hammond the music teacher at JNC earlier and he was just talking about like how he's so passionate about what he does and that kind of he spoke about it as very as being something that's quite natural I want to get your thoughts and insights do you think like a passion for teaching and enthusiasm is quite natural or do you think that that can be taught
0: oh that's a good question
2: Yeah. I thought um, I think when I went into teaching I didn't fully understand what teaching was going to be mm. um, and I had a real passion for for working with children mm-hmm. and being around children and I also had a passion for art because I studied art at university so right. I was quite creative and I thought I'd be able to translate that into teaching and then I think as I developed as a teacher I actually found more skills that were within me that I didn't know I had mm-hmm. uh, and actually I think personally through my journey in teaching I've found different routes that I c- um, feel good at and mm-hmm. also kind of really passionate about.
1: Yeah. What, what would you thinking. say were your strengths as a teacher?
2: Um, that's a that's a strangely hard question to answer. Really? Um I, ha- oh, I don't know, i have to think about that. Okay.
1: Um, and and by okay. the way, just for context, like Cammy and I have just met today. Yeah. So So I'm <laughs> gonna throw go you on bad. the spot a little bit, Ew, Cammy, okay. but um, don't worry, it's it's, it's gonna come, to you. Mm-hmm, so we'll come back what, to you. what 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 do you think your strengths are as a teacher, Hannah?
0: Um, I think As you raise, I think positivity is definitely something you have to have. And both Carrie and I took the route into teaching via a charity, which is very much vision aligned and wanted to address the disparity in educational disadvantage um, and address that issue. So I think immediately you you go into teaching with that passion, with that positivity, that you can make an impact. Mm. And I think that is something that has been able to help me overcome challenges that I found while being in the teaching sector. Definitely Mm -hmm. being positive, I think, is a strength. Equally having a great sense of humour.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: (laughs) It's definitely up there as being one of the survival tools as a
1: teacher. (laughs) I remember when I used to teach PE, right, I used to literally just like, even if I was teaching like year one, year three, or year six, I used to literally just make jokes to myself. And like teaching assistants or other adults would walk past and they would just be like, oh, you're so funny kind of thing. But some of the kids would get it and then some of them wouldn't. I was like, "Don't worry, you will get it <laughs> later."
0: <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, it gets you through those those tough times as well. Mm.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, how did you two meet?
2: So we uh, we met through Teach First. So we are teaching was uh, we trained with Teach First, mm-hmm. uh, which is a charity. So we met um, in our initial training, and then we were also placed in the same. Federation of schools so yeah. we work together as well
0: yeah
2: um, and now yeah now we're doing our, our masters finishing off our masters together as well so yeah, Fantastic.
1: yeah. what was that teach first Day experience like because that's something that's relatively new Like, when did it come in maybe eight nine years ago something like that Or
2: yeah I think it was I, I think, think it was
0: it, a bit longer than I that it, in early yeah. 2000 yeah don't quote us okay. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I think maybe even 2000 might have been the first yeah. Or 2005. Yeah. Within, I think it, it started just with a few amount of people, and then it started yeah. to really expand in 2005 mm. and onwards. Um, yeah, and I think now it's it's you know it takes in a massive amount of graduates as mm. teachers. Yeah,
1: um, it's definitely grown because mm. it started to come to my attention maybe around 2012. Mm. Ish. Yeah, it's mm. definitely grown, and now it's like a, a, a nationwide thing. What was that experience like for you guys? <laughs>
0: well um i mean it's a, it's a as you said it's a fantastic charity with a great vision. Part of the vision is that they place um us in challenging contexts, mm-hmm. so that's something as you know new to the profession we're not really sure what challenging means right um, <laughs> it, it, we're very aware of what challenging means now, and often those challenges could be with um The you're working within very poor communities Mm -hmm. and trying to address those challenges, or it could be behavioral challenges, or management within the school could be challenging. So, any of those, and I think um, some of those sometimes all of those things come into play within the context that you're working in, but again. as you know, Jazz, it's just great to work within a community and Teach First is definitely a community yeah. and you can draw on the strength and advice of others mm. within that context. And I think that was what was really liberating about it. Although, you know, you're, you're in a difficult situation, you can often find gut advice and expertise from other people to help get you through that. Mm-hmm.
2: What about you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think a very similar thing. I think it was really challenging and a really challenging route into teaching. Mm. Um, specifically as well, I think because of the lack of, not lack of, but because of the nature of the course, our training in, in actual being a teacher mm. and mm. the subject knowledge and the assessment and the pedagogy and everything like that was very limited. So we yeah. had to learn all of that on the job. Right. And I think when you're in a challenging environment, that can be compromised quite a lot. And yeah. And I think the thing with Teach First is that it's such a strong community that even if you feel as though you're failing at everything every single day, you sort of still find the strength to kind of carry on and, and get to where we are today.
1: I absolutely love that, that collegiality even the sense of you guys being here today together is quite powerful because one of the things that chale- has been challenging for teachers historically is isolation mm-hmm. and it's this like constant isolation, yes there's other adults in the building but actually how often do they connect oh hi in the corridor like at lunch time yeah. break time which is not really a deep and meaningful connection so one of the things that's really powerful about what's happened at Teach First is the collegiality and the community between between teachers mm-hmm. <coughs> I'm not very knowledgeable and teach first itself so how does it work like what period of time do you have to spend teaching what period of time do you have to spend in the classroom theory and so on how does it how does it work
0: okay so you kind of hit as Kevin said you hit the ground running so you have six weeks initial training prior to going to the classroom and that will equip you with the basic knowledge the so is that training
1: in a sort of center with yeah, other teachers? so in a center um, and yeah. we
0: went to Leeds University okay. and we all met there and then we had behavior management courses mm-hmm. and safeguarding courses so you're equipped with the, the bare minimum to be able to and enter weeks, the classroom, yeah. that's six weeks, that's and then fun. you enter the classroom full-time teacher.
1: You
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> and then we then did our um, studying for the PGC at the same time, so simultaneously. Yeah. So you learn a theory, then you go back to the classroom and apply that theory on so, the go.
1: So what's the ratio between being in the classroom and learning the theory? I
2: think it was. Um, I think we had time out. I think it was one day a week i think out of class what i can remember i don't know if you can you could probably remember something different i know i think
0: i think i think the schools give us a little bit of extra time out of class to complete essays or Mm -hmm. to do reading but you know you're a full-time teacher and that's the expectation of you
1: got it got Mm. it and then what would you say cami is your philosophy on teaching and education
2: um so i think for me personally i'm very um passionate about Uh, children having the opportunity to to develop lots of different parts of themselves as Mm -hmm. as people as well as academically so um, I'm PSHE lead now and I'm I'm really passionate about um, mental health specifically so for me that's that's really really important that I educate children and how to kind of translate the world around them and to deal with them whatever if they're having challenges at home or anything Mm like that and become kind of confident, independent Young learners, yeah. as well as kind of academically.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's one of the things. One of the main reasons why I started my company is because there was an often like a dissonance between you're either academic or you're artistic, mm. you're, either, mm. you're either you know systematic and data analyst or you're creative, mm. and it's always just like, it's like there's always been this narrative of you're either one or the other, and actually yeah. you can be both, and it's about tapping into children's intuition to be able to access both of those elements of the brain and really become powerful like, like like they're supposed to be, right? And like mm-hmm. they can be. What 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 about you, Hannah?
0: Again, I think, funnily enough, it's quite similar to Cammy. I think the you know, view of a child as a whole child is something that's definitely paramount in education today and something yes. that I firmly believe in. So whilst academic is really important you know the well-being of children and their confidence and mindset about education themselves, mm. to me, that those are the skills that we need to help develop in children in order for them to be successful as adults. Yeah. Also with that is um, my firm belief that a passion for reading also is a key skill for children to be able to tackle the world yeah. and to have a wealth of opportunities available to them.
1: Yeah, love it, love it. And um, what are the challenges would you say that you've been through Hannah in that experience that transition from sort of graduating at Teach First to actually where you're on where you are now as a teacher what would you say was the one of the biggest challenges that you've been through?
0: Um, I'd say for me I think I had a real sense of moral purpose working in a school that I worked in previously, which is a state school. Mm. Shifting to an independent sector was quite a conflicted move for me.
1: Okay, what are the differences there?
0: <laughs> the differences, are, funnily enough, I think the differences are quite few. Um, for me, one of the biggest differences was the pay, mm. but then the expectations then placed on you as a teacher, I find, are greater, and mm-hmm. that might be is just specific to my school. Mm-hmm. Um, the accountability stakes feel, seem to be higher, okay. also, from that perspective, and there's a lot more parent involvement yeah. and expectation of you sure. um, there. But again, that their children and mm-hmm. children t- are all the same, and that for me. Every child needs to have the same level of opportunity and the same high-quality teacher in the classroom in order for them to be successful. Again, I work in a girls' school, and as you know, there's massive gender disparity Mm -hmm. in the workforce. So for me to then equip the girls with knowledge um, and to be able to challenge those gender stereotypes is really critical for me, and that's how I kind of balance that sense of moral purpose.
1: What's the challenge that you've been through in terms of getting the girls on side in terms of challenging those stereotypes
0: um that's really interesting i think partially the the context where it's all girls they then challenge those stereotypes just automatically there's no other gender there that can undermine what they do Wow, equally they there's you know there's lots of things in the media that that impress itself on the girls and their views of what they can and can't do yes. so whilst one girl will be like oh well, you shouldn't be doing sport I'm like but you're doing sport you're playing hockey what
1: do you mean you can't play if you're
0: doing it so I think then they still need that nurturing and I think because it's a girls school they might think that they're able to tackle those stereotypes now but again it's given that confidence that they can do that even beyond an all-girls context so that is their fear in me that whilst you know they're challenging these stereotypes every day um, between themselves once they go out to the real world will they be able to do that will they have the confidence to do that
1: what are the typical stereotypes that you have to challenge on a regular basis Um,
0: I think I think really usually it's um, particularly in my class now it's with maths mm-hmm. this belief that maths is really hard wow. um, although if they're excelling at maths and I tell them this every day and with the hard work that they can continue True. to do so I think there there is that view Um again although it's all girls you do have some girls who attain more highly in sport for example yeah. and then you have other girls saying well I can't do this mm-hmm. um, because they're looking to someone else who is doing it and yeah. I think the challenge there is to shift in their mindset to say well what is that person doing well mm-hmm. and how can you imitate that so that you can do as well or better than they can yeah. um, and I think again whilst those conversations in the class are really critical I'm not always sure those conversations are happening at home yeah. and I know my myself as a parent before I became a teacher I wasn't having those conversations at home yeah. because I wasn't aware of how powerful those conversations are yeah. and yeah. I think that's that's one of the biggest challenges
1: yeah mm. I don't know if you ever watched that um, that that series with Anne Robinson where she was going into schools and talking to young girls mm. about the stereotypes did you did you watch it? No
0: I haven't, I haven't seen have you really, seen really it? Really
1: really interesting show, did Maybe. you see it Cammy?
0: I think so
2: yeah, yeah think about, about yeah.
1: a year or two ago yeah, like one yeah. of the things um, I'm not quoting specifically but it was like they Went into this toy shop, right? Mm. And um, they said, Look at all the toys for all the boys. Mm. And there's like, you know, 95% about science, te- technology, mm. engineering, mm. all of these things, building, right? Creativity. Mm. Mm-hmm. And they said, And then they took us to the women's section. They're like, Look at all these toys. The first thing you know is that they're all pink. Yeah. Like, they're all pink <laughs> and they're all girly, and they're all like, and, and I mean, girly in the sense of they're all like stereotypically. Okay. Mm. girly in a sense of like, uh, what was it, like cutie sticks and things about beauty and things about makeup and mm. things about looks and appearance mm. but a lot of the toys just lack substance um, and it was the show was about highlighting that and how this sort of influences girls' behaviour mm. Cami, how, how do you feel like teaching both boys and girls I presume how do you feel the differences in how they relate to you as a teacher come across?
2: Oh, how they relate to me? Mm. Uh, well i think the same kind of stereotypes or um, ideas of stereotypes exist in a mixed environment so i think the girls still have that same same barriers to get through but i think boys do as well i think maybe in other in other ways so like some boys um really struggle in playground situations for example and they really because if they're they're not outgoing or they don't want to play a game that involves. Uh, running around or fighting or something like that, then yeah. they maybe feel a bit isolated and they really struggle to kind of um, understand themselves. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the same the same sort of things exist really, and I think I've just found this. Um, Gender Action Award, which we've now established in our school, which is kind of starting to unpick these stereotypes and actually present like role models in particular for children to kind of understand Mm -hmm. that these men and women can be you know, all these different things that yeah. they maybe have never come across in their own life. Yeah,
1: yeah, um, it's, it's, it's really, really powerful. Do you notice any, I don't know if your children are too young for you to notice this, but do you notice like differences in terms of types of questions that you might ask and the readiness of boys to answer one type of question and girls to answer another type or anything like that? That's
2: interesting. Um, I I don't know I don't think so I think Mm. maybe they're too young because I teach in year two yeah they're not they're just developing self-awareness so I don't think they I don't I wouldn't say that there's like less contribution from boys or girls around a particular subject yeah however they are they are definitely starting to understand their what they find difficult and and I think it's it is it does happen that in maths for example girls are less willing to risk take uh, right sometimes and boys will maybe throw themselves in, mm. into things with even if they get confidence. it wrong right yeah, yeah exactly and seem to be maybe more resilient around making mistakes mm. and than girls i would say probably yeah.
1: that's really interesting i, I definitely mm. want to do like some sort of research and a study on on that type of narrative mm. i think that's remarkably important in terms of just engaging boys and girls in a, in a really cohesive way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, what What yeah. are the challenges that you face, Cami, in in a school setting, and since the start of your teaching journey?
2: Um, I think um, on a per, in a personal personal challenges, mm. um, I found uh, confidence in myself mm. as a teacher has kind of wavered quite a lot. So although I'm now in my fourth year of teaching, um, I think you have to really build up a d- resilience as a teacher to mm. kind of feel like you're failing and making mistakes a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and on a personal level, I found that challenging. Yeah. Um, I think there have been occasions when um, I probably should have had more support that I wasn't, I wasn't able to have because of challenges in the environment or with my provider or training. Um, and have maybe had to cope with quite a lot of stuff um as a professional mm. um but i think as you kind of develop as a teacher you realize that you are responsible for you have a huge responsibility mm. for the children not only the children but yourself as well as the mm. professional yeah um and i think you know the further in you get to teaching the, the more experience you have the more you realize how you have to sort of look after yourself <laughs> what,
1: what do you what would you say that schools could do better generally speaking in order to support teachers new teachers into the industry um, <laughs>
0: <wouldn't take> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I think communicating is mm. really key and I think it's just speaking to new teachers about the experience and as you said just I think sometimes We are isolated and there's a new teacher that's really frightening because you don't always know what to do or where to go. If you're stuck with an issue or a sure. question, so I think just checking in. And um, the school I'm in now, the head, you know, makes that her paramount goal that she'll walk into your classroom and say, "Oh, how was your day? Yeah. How are you doing?" Yeah. And that's such a brilliant question. And often, you know, you might say, "Oh, it's a really tough day," and then mm. you then begin that narrative about why was it tough? Was it a lesson, or is it something to do with transitions? Yeah. And again, you're having suddenly you're having that discussion about teaching and learning yeah mm-hmm. and then you leave feeling you know empowered th- to do whatever you're going to do differently the next day yeah. so I think communication is just really critical yeah.
1: so you guys are both studying your masters at the moment tell us yeah. about that what is the masters in and what's the process
2: um, so it's a masters in educational leadership um, so we started it when we were doing our PGCE and um, and we've sort of taken a bit of a break, and we've now come back to it. Um, so we are both actually kind of coincidentally both exploring creativity mm. in, um, in education, and with a kind of specific focus, on, well, I'm doing a specific focus on how uh, middle leaders and subject leaders can um, foster creativity uh, in their subject.
1: Yeah, so um, tell us about that. How do you do
2: that? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, magic answer I'm not sure um, I think I think well what I'm going to be exploring is how to kind of um, all with all the like government expectations and senior leaders expectations how to really inspire children and other teachers to teach your subject in a creative way.
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, I've actually just written a book called Passion for Learning, How to Engage Your Learners and Unlock Their Potential, which is one of the things that we were talking about when we were queuing up to go into the social <laughs> invite, right? yeah. like, How is that? Yeah, we're going so to a party, we're queuing up, and we're talking about books. People were
0: overtaking <laughs> us in the queue as well.
1: But hey, we, we, we love it right, passion for learning, <laughs> is, we, we, we love this stuff and you you know, one of the ways that, that I love to learn is through reading for sure, um, but yeah, how to engage learners and unlock their potential, what are you picking up from your Masters Hannah in terms of that creative side and how to bring the best out of children?
0: Um, I think for me it was really useful to do kind of a narrative inquiry into my own understanding of what Creativity is mm-hmm. so. I did like a case study on one pupil who wanted to write a poem and with rhyme, and I said, No, 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 we're not doing rhyme. And immediately I started to think, Oh, well, well am I stifling her creativity? Maybe doing rhyme is what's going to make her creative. And okay. I think it's really interesting then what my language is around them being creative. Mm-hmm. And then, as kami and I have discovered, as we kind of try and unpick what creativity is, that there's so many faces to it yeah. so you know creativity um, my understanding was you know just freedom but yeah. actually other people have a different understanding of what creativity is mm. and that can be you know problem solving or risk taking mm. or um, just a number of different things and I think just to understand what creativity is
1: mm.
0: is the first step to then fostering it within the classroom
1: and how would you define mm. it?
0: I would say creativity is solving a problem that you want answered and I think that's 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 what it is to to me yeah Mm. and hopefully to the mm. girls that I teach, yeah. but again, I think having a discussion with the children as well as to what creativity is mm-hmm. yeah. will be a good step.
1: Very, very important. Mm. And you mentioned that the that the masters is around leadership as well. Is that something mm. that you girls, you ladies, are both aspiring to do? Is to become inspiring leaders, head teachers, or is there a different narrative, a different route that you guys are going? I see loads yeah, of yeah, nods no, here. <laughs> good, yeah, sounds it. good. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Uh, love it, love it, love it. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, for me to be a head teacher would be great because obviously the higher up you go, the broader the impact that you have on yes. children. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I can't time. wait to see
1: you a head teacher. <laughs> <season. You
0: laughs> <season, laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the children but might the, say different. the reason
1: why I say that is because I've, I've never. Like, it's weird because I've been in education for fifteen years, right? And I've never met somebody as a teacher who's then transcended into into headship. Oh, really? except for yeah. one. It's a guy called. um Rashid, I think his surname is Ben Sergan. Um, and he was an administrator at a school that we used to work at about 13 years ago. And then I walked into a school that we worked with the other day in Harrow, and he was there and he's like, Hi, I'm Rashid the Head. Do you remember me? And I was like, Oh my wow. word, like that's wow. incredible. Yeah. But I'm really looking forward to seeing when you become a head teacher. I know <laughs> that you're going to be a very, very inspiring leader. I can just thank from you. The
2: energy. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, you're, you're going
2: to be a head teacher. What about yourself, Kevin? Yeah, I, I mean, I came into education wanting to change things. And I think as I progress through my career, there are t- problems I want to tackle more and more. Mm. Um, so, whether I become a head teacher, I'm not sure. But I think definitely a role where I can have a big impact and yeah. change the things I'm really passionate about. So, whether that's a, a synco or. A leader in a school or yeah. something, or policy, something different, maybe. maybe policy, mm-hmm. mm. um, maybe even charity. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm.
1: yeah. fantastic. What about executive headship? Is that something that you you guys have thought about, and is that something that you're aspiring towards? And like, what are your thoughts as well on on Because that's something relatively new that's coming as well.
0: Um, I mean, within the context I'm in now, executive headship isn't. Really a concept mm-hmm. at the moment. I know in our previous school it was and again you have more accountability mm-hmm. um, over a greater number of pupils. Um, again multi-academy trust I work within a trust at the moment, but still each school is quite um, individual okay. as to how it's managed but again really open to to any to you know yeah to new possibilities to different contexts. And as Cami and I said, just having that wider impact yeah. is really aspirational.
1: What There's a big misconception, um, especially from parents, and I'm a parent, like, from, b- because I work in education, I kind of know it, right? There's a big misconception between what parents believe teachers do on a day to day basis mm. and what a typical teacher's day looks like. So tell us from your perspective, Cami, what is, what is a, what's a day in the life like for you?
2: Um, day in the life. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I get into school, I arrive at school at half seven in the Mm -hmm. morning, Um, I spend probably about an hour uh, preparing for my lessons that day. So that involves printing, finishing off resources, Um, especially in year two, it involves quite a lot of practical things like getting out um, resources to use, things like that. Um, I then spend probably about half an hour briefing my teaching assistant when mm-hmm. she comes in. Yeah. Um, we have a conversation, I tell her what she needs to do for the day. Um, if we have time, I kind of tell her about the lessons we're doing. Um, and then the children come in. Pretty much from the time the children come in to the time the children leave. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, I don't stop working at all. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I am in a school where the workload is quite high. The expectations mm-hmm. of teachers are quite high.
1: What, what is the workload? Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that.
2: Um, so there are three main elements of workload in my current school and in most schools. Um, so there's planning for mm-hmm. teaching lessons, there's marking, mm-hmm. and then there's assessment, uh, which you could argue marking and assessment are the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think in lots of schools, they're three separate things. Mm-hmm. Um, and Myself, I'm a middle leader, so I have extra um, extra responsibilities as well. Sure. So that might involve uh, talking to other teachers, talking to external providers, um, organising events, mm-hmm. um, things like that as well. Um, that, that,
1: that's really interesting, just in terms of what you said around planning, marketing, mm-hmm. and assessment. being like, What percentage of your time would you say that that takes up? Would you say that that's quite heavy in terms of outside of the 9 to 3.30 environment?
2: Yeah, so the majority of my time spent after school is marking yeah. Um so in my current school we are required to mark every single piece of work that we teach mm-hmm. so that's about 90 books a day so that that's a lot <laughs> a lot of admin- Ouch, that, feels,
1: that feels uncomfortable like i was yeah. a PE teacher i got away light with yeah. that right like, yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah I, I don't mark 90 books a day try and fit it in where i can yeah um but then i will often go home and i'll end up planning for maybe an hour in the evenings as well just bits and bobs that need to be done for the next day um and my weekends i probably spend about realistically on top of my ppa time probably about three or four hours of the weekend working as well
1: wow is that Um, marking planning or assessment
2: that's planning usually
1: that sounds that sounds very very heavy mm. it
2: is heavy it is, I've actually yeah. been speaking
1: to a, to a few head teachers um like one called Matthew Bradley and, and one called Jeremy Hannay, and a lot of their thinking processes is quite innovative and quiet mm-hmm. outside of the normal realm mm. of education like Jeremy talks about um a l- very limited marking policy and like mm-hmm. I've had other head teachers talk about this kind of like active marking um framework where it's not doing stuff for a particular criteria but it's actually active market on the spot, active feedback is what mm, they call it. Yeah. Um, do you think that that's something that, that resonates or do you think that's something that's possible in more schools or...?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I yeah. think there are lots of school systems that have quite maybe an old-fashioned, old, old fashioned, I don't want to say what the old traditional traditional, yeah. traditional way of marking and assessing work which is to make sure each piece of work is marked and then to feed back in the next day. And there's so much evidence to support um, feedback straight away is much more effective Mm. in children's learning. So I think if presented in the right way, schools Mm Schools could switch quite easily to this, and I think the learning wouldn't be affected if not improved yeah. um, immediately. I think it's I think it's just a case of change, really. Yeah.
1: And we're quite fortunate because it's like one of the things with the creative subjects like uh, art, modern foreign languages, PE, mm. drama, etc. Active feedback is like the norm. It's very yeah. much the norm. It's ve- yeah. It very much has to be done, like because. You know, it's uh, like fibre memorisation in terms mm. of PE and everything like that. You, if you give active feedback, then you can improve it on the spot. But if you delay that feedback, then actually the active fibres sort of disengage, and you don't, you don't get that same outcome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's something that's re- that's really, really insightful. What, what are your thoughts on, on on it, Hannah, in terms of active feedback?
0: Yeah, same. I think it's something. Feedback is something that has to be done there and then. Um, I mean, there are some schools, I think, that have been really brave and just have overturned their marking policies and have no marking. Mm-hmm. No marking in the sense that the teacher's not spending hours after school writing comments in the child's book that the child isn't likely to read. Yeah. So again, just in that moment, mm-hmm. given that feedback, and I think there are, like like having like said, there's a conflict between traditional ways of teaching and like the more current ways where, you know sometimes a teacher might sit down with a group of children and then so the rest of the children aren't receiving that active feedback then which is then why the marking's being done in books. But I think um, just a teacher moving around the class as they would a PE teacher or Mm. a music teacher listening, a teacher needs to be moving around and giving active feedback to each pupil for that learning to be most effective. Yeah. Definitely. Got
1: it. Mm -hmm. So if you were to become a head teacher tomorrow then Hannah, what would you do in terms of planning marking and assessment what would your philosophy be and how would that look
0: okay so i think the first thing i do is verbal feedback is the most useful piece of feedback so yeah. i'd expect i'd be expecting encouraging all my teachers to be given that feedback in mm. the moment and then hopefully then that would free up the workload for them So i think a heavy teacher workload is is so disruptive mm. to to teachers and so many leave and it's such a shame to see fantastic teachers leaving the profession because of that um, and that's workload is something I struggle with, being a parent as well, mm. trying to you know balance that is very difficult everybody so everybody
1: expects get, you to be all things at all times exactly like, which is exactly possible, yeah. so
0: having those discussions around teacher well-being is another thing that i would definitely transform if i were yeah. a teacher
1: what, what are your thoughts uh Kami, on well-being like what can schools do to positively positively impact the well-being of staff and children alike
2: um i think a similar thing i think prioritizing and actually having a conversation with your staff about Mm well-being um is really important because i think i think it's not a buzzword but i think maybe it's become a little bit of a an escape route for some some teachers or some leaders to maybe not really address properly i think Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. they have a um i know some schools have like a well-being officer which i think is a really good idea someone whose job it is to to actually prioritize these things Mm -hmm. but actually the conversation really I don't think it's happening in a lot of mm. schools. So I mean I think that's that would be really it's important. It's certainly happening in the media. Mm. Yeah. It yeah. is, yeah. I think that's maybe hopefully translating into school somehow.
1: Yeah. But Got it. I met with uh, I spoke with a teacher called Charlene over at Free Bridges Primary School just last week and she was saying that one of the things that they did was they have a they have a weekly activity for mm. the teachers in the school. I know that's something that I actually did about twelve to fifteen years ago. I used to go to schools and do like active participation like yoga in different classes after school. Um, but we sort of slowed down on that because we didn't get the take up. But Charlene said in her schools that they, they literally all do it. There's literally like eighty percent of the teachers there every week doing yoga for six weeks or doing dance or doing zumba for a period of time and I just think it's fun. so brilliant not only in terms of the active participation mm-hmm. but in terms of the connection between teachers and the collegiality that it brings yeah. and she said like no one leaves like hardly anyone leaves this school because everyone is just Ooh. so connected yeah yeah. That
0: sounds good. I need to get her details and (laughs) see. Yeah, yeah, I can put
1: you in touch, for sure. Definitely. So what are your your thoughts around growth mindset and how do you go about facilitating that in your classroom? Let's start with you on that one, Hannah. Um,
0: Facilitating, so I think... (laughs) But I think, actually, Jazz, you were the, one of the first people to pick me up on the language around growth mindset. So that practical... Is this outside, <laughs> <party again?
1: laughs> is this outside the party again? This is outside the party. So you were showing me something
0: on your phone, like an app, and I was like, oh, I'm not good at tech. I don't know how to do that. And you said, not good at tech? Yet. And I think that's something. Immediately, I went back to the classroom and made sure that whenever a child said, I'm not good at this, I just added yet. Instead mm. of saying, oh, you are good at it. Look what you can do. It's just immediately yet. Mm. so that whilst they it's lacking in confidence at the moment they know that they can improve rather than trying to challenge their idea that they're not good yeah. at it or not just adding that yet i mm. think is really crucial so mm. using the language in the classroom and with members of staff as well that i lead i think you know they say oh, i'm not confident with shared reading <laughs> yet <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's that's a really useful piece of feedback so thank you for yeah. that
1: no language around mm. the classroom is just like language around the school building is so mm. important and i feel like so many people we overlook it and this whole concept of growth mindset has come really heavily into schools over the last few years. And actually a lot of teachers miss it, a lot of schools Mm -hmm. miss it, because Mm -hmm. the language that we use to the kids is not actually impacting your growth mindset. And one of the things that I talk about quite a lot is like how you use positive language to reframe process. Mm -hmm. So, um, simple things like you see a child running down the corridor, right? And a lot of the times our instant reaction is, stop running, right? But it's like if you can flip that and focus on the positive thing that mm. you want the child to do, then actually it's in, embedding a different process mm. and different thinking process in the mind. So it's like walk, please, as mm. opposed to stop running, because this is the active thing that I want you to mm. do now. Um, yeah, and I, I find it really inspiring how that impacts. Like, and it's not just that statement, mm-hmm. right? And there's nothing wrong with saying stop running, but it's just thinking about how we use language to dictate performance and how children behave. Definitely yeah. well, what are think. your What are your language What are your language cues that you use commonly, Cammy, around growth mindset?
2: Yeah, I'd say a, a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I try really hard to. Ha- I have quite a lot of conversations with my um, class about the words like right and wrong, mm-hmm. uh, and we also talk a lot about making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I make it very clear to them that to, in order to learn, you need to make mistakes. Yes. And, and actually mistakes are a positive thing to, to help you to learn mm. um, and I try to make mistakes in front of them as well Great. because I think that's really important for children to understand that yeah. you're not the beacon of all knowledge yeah. you make mistakes and actually learning is a process mm. um, to kind of help them to to understand what their brain is doing a yeah. little bit um, yeah. yeah but I think the, the growth mindset um, thing using the kind of yet attitude is is really helpful as well so I'm gonna try and do that a bit more as well I think yeah
1: incredible (laughs) incredible so let's go into a quick fire round um i think you guys have shared some really really insightful and engaging thoughts and experiences that are going to connect with so many people out there um so thank you so much for 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 sharing that and that's really really courageous of you both so i appreciate you both for that for sure
0: thank you
1: okay so i'm going to ask i'm going to make a a statement or say something and just say the first thing that comes to your mind and then i'm going to bounce between the both okay
0: okay Uh, It's fine. It's
1: fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, so let's start with favorite holiday destination.
2: Uh, Sunny England.
1: Nice. (laughs) Favorite book to read.
0: Oh, anything written by Jacqueline Wilson. Who? Jacqueline Wilson. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. (laughs) Tell me a book that she's read because I know the name but I can't picture a book. So
0: her her most current one is Wave Me Goodbye, which is a story set in World War. Two where children had to leave um, their families to go to the country to be safe. She writes lots of children's we're gonna touch base
1: on that <laughs> Favorite favorite app on your phone, Cammy?
2: Um WhatsApp.
1: Okay, cool. And same for you, Hannah. <laughs> <Are laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> vehemently. Most overused phrase in school.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm still waiting.
1: <laughs> I love that one.
0: I'm still waiting.
1: <laughs> I feel like you're singing a song. I'm still waiting. Yeah, yeah.
0: Ten yeah. minutes in, I'm still
1: waiting. <laughs> you should just have like a song on your phone. Like, I'm still <laughs> waiting. <laughs> yeah. Maybe
2: what's your, what's your
1: most overused phrase
2: in school? Guys? No, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking um, it's not a phrase, but a clap. To, you know, okay. and I just do that all the time. Yeah. So I'd yeah. say probably I over clap. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's a brand new, is That even a word? That. <laughs> Favorite hobby, Cammy?
2: Um, cooking and eating. Mm-hmm. So
1: Hannah.
2: Um, writing poetry. I love writing poetry.
1: Oh, amazing. Yeah. Tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the when you hear the, the next word, right? Family. Uh, home. Children. Fun. Culture. People. Teaching. Writing <laughs> Marketing <laughs> <Sorry. Subject> lead. <laughs> Leadership.
2: Um, inspiring.
1: Books.
0: Adventures. Children. Passion.
1: Nice. Just I like asking. that. <laughs> Creativity.
0: Risk taking.
1: Nice. Sport. Running. Music. Harmony. Art. Colour. Science. E-
0: experimenting. Maths. Problem solving.
1: School. Love. Love it. Love yeah. it. Cammy, Hannah, it's been an mm. absolute pleasure that's interviewing you, but fun. I think that's been the most, I think that's good. I'm going to say it, I'm just going to say it, I think that's been the most exciting interview I've done oh, so far, brilliant! So thank, thank you. you, and I've met really inspired, one of the, um, one of the headteachers that I met and um, that I interviewed last week almost made me cry, Oh like, goodness! yeah, it was deep and immersive, I was like, Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah, um, I needed to laugh and I needed to enjoy. So, thank you so much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. So thank thank you. you it much it's been, much. been great. Thank you.